0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Graybeard Chronicles. I'm Kevin Harkins, and I'm Brian Halstead.
1: So, good evening, and
0: uh, welcome to episode five of the Graybeard Chronicles. Kevin, good evening. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Um, I just, when you, as you said that, it dawned on me for the first time that some people might be listening to this, and it's not evening. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> evening for us. Yes, it is. <laughs> You're right. That so, is, uh, well, hello. <laughs> Good day to you. Yeah. Yes. Um, today we are uh, we're, we're talking about a topic that you have chosen, Bryant, and I uh, I am very interested to know, and because you, uh, I'm going to back up a little bit. There have been some some very significant events happen in America just in the past week with respect to police officers and mass shootings. But you picked this topic before that, and uh, the topic is the unpolicing of America. So what were you thinking? And uh, goodness gracious, uh, the timing could not be better for us to be talking about something like this uh, because it leads to all kinds of spin-offs. Where are you at? Where are you headed with this? So initially,
1: and, and this is still something I want to talk about, the, uh, the drive behind having the conversation about the unpolicing of America was an incident that occurred in New York city with the, uh, the police department there. And, and I'm sure most folks that are listening has, they, they've seen the, the videos of the water, uh, being poured on officers as the officers are walking away and a bucket being thrown at another officer. And I, I see that stuff. And it just causes my blood to boil for a number of reasons. Um, the, the primary reason is, is
0: because that the right, can you don't lose that train of thought. I want to say one thing okay uh, for the audience sake. Uh, Brian is a f- former police officer. So this stuff, he knows a lot about it and it's near and dear to his heart and uh, you know, I would pay particular attention because uh, there's, there's a lot to say here that goes on. So anyway, go ahead. I just want everybody to be aware of. put it in all con- all in context. I got you. I, I appreciate that.
1: Um, so for me, when I, when I saw that, it, it did. It just made my blood boil for, for two reasons. One, on the, uh, the public side and the fact that folks would, would engage in behavior like that. And the, uh, the, the flip side, and, and this side actually makes me more angry, that law enforcement just took that and walked away. right? And, and that's the video that I saw. Now, I also understand that um, there's probably more that occurred before that and after that. And that's the clip that, that I got to see and, and most of us got to see. But that clip uh, in and of itself is, um, is just not the, the type of representation I would want for any law enforcement agency or, or law enforcement officer to have somebody uh, pour water on them like that and they just walk away. Right. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's cowardice in my mind. I don't know um, how many folks were there on scene officer-wise. And, uh, and I don't care. Um, I just know that it's not acceptable in my mind. And someone would have to, to really give me some compelling facts to, to make me feel why, you know, feel that it was okay for them to act the way they did and walk away.
0: When you say yeah. they, are you talking about the police officers? I'm talking themselves? about the officers okay. walking away after that happened. That's just, that just um, so you, it's a head shaker for you, me. You used a word that's pretty strong. You said that's cowardice. And, um... You know, a lot of people are going to think about that and say, well, um, maybe they were compelled to behave that way because of something that's going on that we're not aware of. Is that, uh, is that, I guess, the context that we don't fully understand? And you're right. All you see is the video. Right. And the video is, the question that it makes you immediately ask is, how do we get here? Right. How did this happen? And I don't, I don't know what was going on in their head. I think that uh,
1: you know that that's the problem with our, our society, and and why I chose the title of the unpolicing of America, because I think in many cases the uh, the leadership in well at a national level and at many local levels have tied the hands uh, of the local law enforcement folks and and caused them to be in a situation where they're they're afraid to act and. You know, it's not just the uh, the elected officials, it's the senior level officials in some of these agencies that are not backing their people and standing behind them when they do the right things. And then you get, uh, you know, incidents that occur like um, the uh, the situation, I believe, that started this, the serious decline of, of um, the status of policing in America is the incident that occurred with, uh, with Michael Brown and Ferguson. Right. Um and the uh, political support shown by the highest levels uh, in, our, in our country. And, um, you know, the bottom line is that guy was a thug. Right. right. Right? Now, I'm not defending all the actions of the officer in that particular case. Um, and at the same time, you know, we're not dealing with somebody that was, you know, on his way home from choir practice. He was a thug. And he had just committed some, some criminal offenses, and that officer was doing his job. And it just started a downward spiral, I think, from there. And so many folks are just getting on the bandwagon and, and um, you know, tying the hands of cops and they're afraid to do their job because they feel like they're going to be left, you know, hanging out to dry by their, uh, by their leadership.
0: Yeah. I was reading an article earlier this week about this very thing. And, and the question is, how did we get here? How did we get to the fact where, where people can be do- so disrespectful to law enforcement? And at least according to this one article, it was because, because there's so many opportunities for things to be filmed, for them to audio recordings to be made, that enable people to come back and second guess. And it's easy to second guess when you're not in the moment and you're not making the decision right now uh, in the heat of battle, so to speak. And it causes things to, to appear to be different. When you're looking at things in slow motion, uh, it's much easier to pick and choose which actions and reactions were were better and were not. It's no different than looking at slow motion film on a professional sports team right. replay. And you can see exactly what happened. But at real time and in real speed, and they don't, they just don't want to be second-guessed because they know that if they've... Mm-hmm made a judgment in the moment in the heat of battle that, that went the wrong way, next thing you know, you know, they're just being rained down upon from all sides. And so they'll say, I'm gonna do my job and only when I'm called upon, I'm not gonna do anything proactively because there's too much loss in it for me. That's a horrible position for us to be in.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And uh, I also think you know, defending yourself is, is not proactive. Right? That's reactive, and when somebody takes an aggressive approach to you and dumps water on you, or you know, what's next? Um, you know, was that a distraction technique so that you're distracted and paying attention to the fact that somebody doused you with a bucket of water while his buddy is coming up beside you to take your weapon from you or attempt to take your weapon from you? I mean, there's, there's lots of things that could go bad with a scenario like that, and I just feel like there wasn't an appropriate reaction based on the limited video that I saw um and you know why why was that and uh and i i think it it falls back to the fact that folks in many cases are afraid to do their job because they don't feel like they're they're backed up and it's you know we i think it goes there's so many different things in our culture i think that are contributing to this and one of them i i don't even know if this is a legitimate uh term but uh, if it's not i'm going to create it i i call it um the, uh, the crybaby syndrome. Okay. And what I mean by that is the more you piss and moan and cry about something, the more people are going to listen. And instead of shutting you down and telling you to stop your nonsense and holding you accountable for, for being a, a, just an irritant for no reason, um, folks are listening to you, right? The, uh, you know, it's that squeaky wheel gets the oil kind of mindset. And, you know, we see it happening, right? It's, you know, how many many jurisdictions do we know of where people are going back and changing the names of highways or schools because the names of, of the, those schools or those roadways right now are named after somebody that was involved in slavery uh, in the history of our country or, you know, remo- removing statues. Right here in Fredericksburg, taking the, um, the historical um, slave auction block from, from downtown, right. removing that and putting, putting that in a, in a museum. And where, where does it stop, right? So you, you can't erase the history. Right. And the important thing about history is to learn from it. And, and repeat the things that are good and not repeat the things that are bad. And if you remove those things, then, you know, are we going to lose the lessons because now we're not talking about it anymore? Um, I, I just, uh, there's there's just so many things wrong. And it's, um, today. you know, I've, I've been thinking about this all day long because I knew we were going to have this conversation tonight.
0: And I can the, tell uh, you're wound up. <laughs> yeah. I can see it. I can see it. They can't, but I can. Yeah, yeah. You are leaning into this one.
1: The uh, you know the shooting that occurred, or the, both of the shootings that occurred here recently in um, El Paso and and Dayton. Um, you know you you have folks that are immediately jumping on the bandwagon and you know blaming guns and and uh, blaming you know our president for creating a, a kind of a, a condition of hate or that uh, um, the exact word I was trying to think of escaped me, but um, you know it's. It's not that. It's not any of that. It goes way deeper than that. It's not about guns. It's not about one individual who, you know, folks may not like and want to want to target him. Um, it's it's about our culture, and it's uh, you know it, it, it all relates back to this unpolicing of America because you know it starts at that that root level with with values and accountability and
0: things that we've already talked about in in other episodes and and, and morality uh, and mor- yeah yeah. I agree with you, uh, you know the brief conversation that we had uh, before we started recording was how did we get here and the truth of the matter is the ability to to kill mass amounts of people has been around forever, I mean if it's not guns it's something else, you can poison somebody, you can you know mess with uh, all kinds of different things that have effect on large groups of people. Uh, But the question is, it does seem to be happening more and more than it's ever happened in the past. And then so you look and say it's the fact that you can carry it out using a variety of different instruments or methods to do it. There's something in the culture and there's a creep over time. And I believe that it is, um, you know, we've many in many respects lost as a culture, our true north. You know, the, the sense of morality the sense of respect for law and order, the sense of being held accountable. Uh, None of it is helped by the fact that you can hide anonymously behind the social media screen and say anything and I would not do anything, but certainly say anything, post anything and never be held accountable for it. And that it's, you know, it, it just enables, the worst parts of humanity to come to the surface and come out so um boy that's it seems like a little off topic because we're talking about the unpolicing of america but but all of that stuff the, the instantaneous uh recording and posting of things and the, the fear of police officers the lack of respect for law and order um lack of respect for we are a nation of laws and moving away from that all of that stuff has contributed to to all, to all of the things that the police can't do anymore.
1: Well, you know what's interesting, too, is I think um, when you talk about police and policing, folks automatically think about people that are employed by a law enforcement agency and wearing a uniform. Right. That's only part of it. Those are the folks that are paid to do that professionally. I think policing America is every one of ours, our responsibility. A point. Yeah. Right? So... And, and, and I'm not necessarily talking only about policing America in the sense of uh, protecting your communities against criminal offenses. I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about values. I'm talking about human decency, how people act with one another, and what we uh, accept as behavior from other people. Right? So it's... it's. I'm sure you've heard Good it said, citizenry. You know, that yeah. You, yeah, good citizenry. Exactly. Right. right. You know, it's... Um, we're, we're not training our young people to be good citizens. We're not teaching them to be good citizens in many cases. And we're certainly not holding everyone accountable to be good citizens. So, and I think it starts there. You know, the, the people um, give the, the, the power to the police that they have, right? That's, right, that's where the right, power comes from. Right. Um, and I think that um, you know, the people have their own responsibility to police themselves and, and to police each other and not tolerate unacceptable behavior,
0: and uh, and so on. So think think back to the, um, you, you remind me of a st- true story, you know, some people are gonna be horrified by this story, but in terms of just society in general, schools, clubs, recreational facilities, and so on, and, and holding people accountable. When I was, this is no kidding, when I was in elementary school, um, if you got in trouble, and I did, you got SWATs. I mean, you literally bent over, grabbed your ankles. The teacher, or the principal, or the vice principal, with a wooden paddle, um, paddled you, and they hit hard. I mean, can you imagine what would go on? And out? people are saying child abuse. Oh my goodness, uh, all these horrible things. You don't hit children, and that's not. And and I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Um, Get into how much I think you know me being swatted at school or paddled by my parents, um, the, the right and wrong of that. But what I do know is I'm okay today, and I was held accountable as a child. And the times that I get that I got swats in elementary school, I deserved it. And you know what? It made me think twice about ever doing that again. Those are the kind of things that are not really, <clears throat> excuse me, taking place today. You can't do any of that. Right. I mean, even if you raise your voice and give a stern look, you know, the child is running off and talking to somebody, and next thing you know, it's written up in the paper as, uh, you know, uh, hostile environment at the school, and you can't do anything about that anymore. It's crazy. Right. Sometimes, little Johnny needs his ass torn up. Yes. Right? (laughs) This this
1: time-out nonsense, and I'll... I'll, uh, I'll be the first one to tell you that um, you know my daughters I uh, was fortunate that uh, both of them were fairly well behaved and uh, didn't have to engage in a whole lot of discipline of, of that nature. Um, and at the same time uh, neither one of them will tell you that they lived a spank-free life right. as they were you know growing up because uh, there were situations where yeah that was necessary yeah. Um, was it child abuse? Absolutely not. And I think either one of them would would tell you that. Um, no. Some sometimes you know it, it's like the um, the carrot and the stick, right? right? The reward versus the consequence. Life has consequences, and sometimes you should be held accountable and subjected to those consequences. And it might be a paddling. Um, <laughs> I've said this before. I I I didn't even think about this tonight. How I was gonna ever get a chance to work this into a podcast, but I'm a firm believer that we need to legalize the bitch slap.
0: <laughs> All right. Right? Tell me what that is exactly. So, so, so what I, is the bitch slap?
1: Yes. I think if people knew that it was completely legal and acceptable to slap someone across the face... <laughs> For acting ignorant or being disrespectful. Now you don't you're, you you don't have an with a bitch slap you don't have the intent to do any permanent harm. It's just a, a wake up you know a, a check yourself um, type of a, a delivery of a slap across the face. Now imagine how different our world would be, our work environment, our you know what whatever if everybody knew that hey if I act like a complete moron you know, Jimmy might slap me upside the head you know, because it's completely legal for him to give me a bitch slap. Um, I don't know. I mean, that might be extreme. And at the same time, I, I think in some ways that that wouldn't be a bad bad way to go. I, I Folks might you. treat I,
0: each other with a little more respect. I, I absolutely get your point. And uh, I like the word wake-up call, yeah, just to sort of snap you back into reality, into your senses that, look, what you're... <laughs> what you're doing or where you're headed is, is not acceptable behavior. But I want to go back to something you said and I didn't even think about it before we started. So in my mind now we have sort of two concepts of the police, the unpolicing of America. One is actual law enforcement and the risk averse nature that many police officers in, in many cities uh, approach their job because you know, they, they're going to be, they're going to be held to a standard that uh, makes them not want to do anything other than what they absolutely have to do. But then there's the policing of ourselves. And I didn't, um, I didn't think about that. I didn't pick up on that as I was reading I about was, it. I was totally focused on law enforcement itself. But um, I think that's a great distinction. And I think that it's actually starting to be well documented in literature, even peer reviewed literature, that in those places where uh, there's more and more oversight And second guessing and um, armchair quarterbacking of police officers' actions, the crime rate in those locations is actually going up dramatically. And that's horrible. I mean, it's not what we want. That's not what we're after. And as you said before we even started talking here earlier today uh, on the recording is um, the large majority of law enforcement officials in this country are Um, faithful, zealous, and obedient servants trying to do the right thing, trying to make the right judgment calls, who take their jobs very seriously, and they're not, I mean, yes, and they're not perfect, and there are some bad eggs out there who do bad things, but here's the metaphor. One person has cancer, but in order to solve the problem, you give everybody chemotherapy. That's what happens when you start to impose all of these regulations upon regulations upon, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, and yeah, it's, it, that's literally what it's like. One person is a bad egg. One person has chemo, one one person has cancer. Let's give everybody chemotherapy to make the problem go away. I've never heard anybody use that as a, as an example like that. And man, that is so spot on because that's
1: exactly what we do. Yeah, um, yep. that is exactly what we do. And I've, I've heard different, um, examples to kind of reiterate that, but that's, uh, that's a shame. That's exactly
0: what happens. So, what's the solution? Yeah. Um, I, I think I think the solution is continuing... Uh, not continuing. Um, i got to be careful with my wording here because even I'll be held accountable. Going back to, and I don't mean going back in a bad way, I mean going back to the basic fundamentals of good morality. You know, faith-based... Um, aspects to your life that I think in large respects we've lost. Um, I think the Ten Commandments, uh, I think the fact that the Ten Commandments are under assault and, and being removed from government locations is not um, a service to the good of America. And so, uh, the Ten Commandments are a a moral code uh, upon which this country was founded. Country's not perfect; it has its warts and hairs, but that's a morality, true north that everybody could rally around at that time, and and I think we've drifted away from it. And if, if we can go back to just like anything, mastering the fundamentals of good living, um, and morality and true north, that's something that we ought to strive for. I don't know. What do you think? I
1: agree with you, and I and I also think that. Um, Folks have a tendency to believe that you know the solution to these types of things are you know who they're electing for their representation in the uh, various uh, houses in our government, um, and that's part of it. I think what we really need to focus on is our own house and the circle that we operate in, right? So it, it starts there. The you know your immediate family, folks that you you reside with. Um, and then, you know, folks that you hang out with on a regular basis, people that you interact with at work, um, influencing those circles in a positive way so that folks can see the behavior that you're exhibiting um, and, and, you know, model their behavior after that, right? So, um, you know, it's, it is a values thing. It is a morality thing. It's, uh, it's a human decency thing. And, uh, and and we need to all do our part to hold ourselves accountable, and then in turn hold others accountable to to those same standards. Yeah,
0: I think the holding people accountable part of it, which is another aspect of, uh, you know, there's so many things that you can do just in, in society, in school, in public that you're just not held accountable for anymore, and and it, you know, and it just feeds upon itself, and it starts a downward spiral that just doesn't seem to end, certainly is an ending. In fact, I think that, um, what did, uh, what did Robert, what was the title Robert Bork? He had wrote a book, the, the slouching toward Gomorrah. There we go. Uh, not uh familiar with it. He, Robert Bork was the nominee. I think it was Ronald Reagan nominated him to be on the Supreme court and he was not confirmed by Congress. Uh, he was the term Borked. He was, um, Eventually, you know, lots and lots of, because he was a fairly conservative uh, person with a, with a track record of conservative rulings and so on, uh, he ended up not being confirmed. But he wrote a book called Slouching Toward Gomorrah. I think I have the title of it. And it just sort of describes this slow degradation, this sort of slow slouching of the decline of values. And what that means for the good or the not good of America, and it's uh, the title is is just perfect. Interesting to read that because that would have been written what in the '80s? Yes, yeah. Or he might have, might have written it. Actually, I don't remember. I, I could look it up, but yeah. somewhere around there, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be
1: interesting to see, you know, fast forward thirty some years, uh, how much of what he's talking about
0: has has been realized. See if he was a, a prophet when he went through all of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's on the, on the, uh, on the family unit side of things. Um, how about our, uh, elected officials and what they can do to support the law enforcement community? What are what are your thoughts about all that? You know, we, uh, we had the, the conversation before the recording
1: started and, uh, you brought up the, the example of, um, using the laws that we have in place actually enforcing them and enacting penalties for violating the laws that we have in place when we're talking about well in particular gun control right you know there's there's there are a lot of laws on the books already and folks are not being charged and convicted and handed down you know stiff sentences aren't being handed down that it's got to start there because right. you know none of the controls do any good if there's not penalty associated with it um, so yeah that's that definitely has to change you know um, yeah I, I'm, I'm also you know I, that's that's challenging for me to to talk about because I um, I'm in the um, I'm not a big fan of gun control I don't um, I, I, I quite frankly believe that um, pretty much all the laws regulating possession of weapons right. are unconstitutional
0: okay Um, you know, here's the thing (laughs) you say it all the time. And I say, you, I mean, in general, uh, if you don't like the law, change the law. Uh, I heard somebody say once the best way to, to change a bad law is to enforce it. Because as soon as you start enforcing it, it sheds light on, wow, this is really a bad law. We need to change that. Uh, we, we, if, if community at large thinks that, uh, that things need to change with gun control. First of all, it's it's in the it's an amendment to the Constitution, which may, means it, it takes two thirds, three quarters of, of the states. Is it? I think it's three quarters of the states to um, to make it go away. That's a that that's a tall hurdle to clear, and uh, and so and it was made that way on purpose, so that the only things that become amendments are things that are really big and you can build consensus around. Um, and if, if, if three-quarters of America decides they want to change the Second Amendment, then it will change. But in the meantime, enforce what's there. Right. The laws are there to enforce. And there was recently, many of them actually, as we know, the southern border is a huge topic of discussion in the news every day. And there was a Customs and Border Patrol agent that was testifying before Congress. And he was just being laid into by congressmen for this whole issue of separating children from families at the border. And his point was this, when you cross the border, that's a felony. When you you arrest anybody anywhere in America for a felony, you separate that person from whoever they're with, children, family, doesn't matter, and you take them into custody and you process them according to the law. And that was the, the the Border Patrol agent's point is I am swore to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States as a CBP agent. I'm doing that. I am enforcing the laws that you, pointing to the Congress people, uh, have told us that these are the laws we're supposed to enforce. If you don't want me to do that, change the law. Right. Like, <laughs>
1: Yeah, sometimes you, you, it needs to be said just like that for it to click, you know, because that's exactly right. And, um, you know, you, it doesn't even have to be a felony in in jurisdictions. You know, you, you arrest somebody for um, domestic violence, drunk driving. Th- those are misdemeanors and they're separated, right? I mean, you, you grab those people, you take them into custody and you remove them from the situation that they're in. Correct. Um, yeah, I... I I don't know why somebody would think that you wouldn't do that. Yeah. You know? yeah
0: I mean, and, and it, anyway, I'm not going to, uh, well, yeah. You commit a felony anywhere else except on the southern border. That's right. You, you you get arrested and you get taken to jail and you get processed in accordance with, you know, how that that particular felony gets right. dealt with. The,
1: the children are, are dealt with differently because they... You know, they' they're not of age right so they are following their parents they're not consciously making this decision right to, to violate a law because right. you know they're they're following what their parents are doing and what their parents are telling them
0: to do right right um, I mean it is it's a horribly tragic situation but the the point there is Congress has the ability to put new legislation in place and then enforce it and if you don't like the laws that are being enforced there then change them but Back to gun control there are so many regulations that are out there already many of which are not being enforced enforce the laws that are there and many of the problems go away and hold people accountable again back to the accountability piece and, and this isn't
1: something that's going to be solved overnight either right so you know i think one of the um one of the immediate things that that you can do in addition to the things that we've talked about as far as you know your inner circle and folks that you interact with and and how you influence their their behavior and, and help them to to be better citizens, those are all things you can do immediately in that realm. And if you want to talk about um, you know safety and security and how do we stop these mass shootings and so on, there's there's plenty of guns out there, right? You're not gonna get rid of them. There's plenty of bad people out there and you're not gonna get rid of all of them. So the two still exist. How do you safely operate in an environment that you know exists? Right. You train you arm yourself. You you teach your family, folks that uh, that you care about, how to be aware of things that are going going on around them, and how to defend themselves in, in certain situations. You know, I'm I'm quite frankly uh, amazed that this individual in, in Texas was allowed to create the kind of carnage that he was able to create without somebody gunning him down. And, and I'm not talking about the police. I'm talking about a citizen. You know, this is Texas.
0: Right. Um, I, I just Pretty, pretty gun-friendly you know, place on the grand yeah, scheme least, of things. Yeah, at least right. my perception. Right. I may right. Be, right. be
1: off base there. Right. Um, but I certainly think of Texas as a gun-friendly place and would think that there are plenty of folks walking around that are armed. So I guess my point is, if you're not walking around armed, you should be. Right. right? Okay. There have been... 25 plus uh, active shooter situations, well, mass shooting situations this year, and I may have that number a little bit off, Um, bottom line is it's too many. And many of those could be stopped by somebody that is sufficiently trained,
0: um, aware of what's going on, and willing to act. Yeah, I know you're creating all kind of controversy saying these things. There are people listening to this that are, oh, no that, are that are coming unglued right yeah. now. I, I yes. have no doubt. And, right. and those same people,
1: <laughs> when they find themselves in right. a situation where somebody like the individuals that I'm describing steps up and saves their behind, yeah, they're gonna have an oh my goodness, the light just came on moment and realize that you know maybe there is a a, a different way to think about this
0: yeah and if you look over the past decade um the other thing that's that's also very interesting about all this is that the the more talk there is especially when it gets real intense you get these real intense periods of discussions about more gun control greater regulation what happens the sale of guns goes through the roof people you know because they're afraid that (laughs) the government's going to come in and want to take everything away so the sale of guns you know skyrockets guns and ammunition because people think things are about to change. Um, that, is, and, that is so true. <laughs> President Obama, former President Obama, yes,
1: is, yes. Is, uh, is probably responsible for selling more guns in right. America yes. than, uh, than many of the people that actually sell them professionally. Right. right. <laughs> no
0: doubt. I, I don't, don't know if know you know he's getting enough... kickbacks on right. any of that right. stuff, right. but right. that would be an interesting conversation. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah, a couple of comments from him caused the industry to go into an uproar for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know it's continuing to happen. There's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, so I uh, I think in closing, um, biggest thing folks need to do is is uh, engage those around them, right? Act, you know, think globally,
0: act locally. There you go. Right. It's Take cliche, care of but it's what's exactly right around right. you. Yeah, right. Yeah, do what you can, right where you're at. That's that's because that's, that's where it starts,
1: it, right? right? These you know these grassroots movements can be very effective. Let's start one on being better citizens, being better Americans, uh, being more respectful to one another, and not creating situations where people are filled with hate and discontent and want to do harm to other people, like folks are doing in these mass shootings.
0: Right. And uh, general support for law enforcement <clears throat> and ha- have the, the, the general predisposition that law enforcement is good, full of good people trying to do good things, enforcing the laws that they were sworn to enforce. That is the approach uh, that we need to have. And getting back to holding people accountable and getting back to a moral true north, I think, is, uh, you know, a key to the long term solution. And it ain't going to happen quickly.
1: Yeah, and any of you guys out there that are listening, guys or gals that uh, are in that category of folks that strap on a gun and pin on a badge and, uh, and go to work out there and, and do things that um, many of the folks that bitch and complain about it would never, ever have the, the balls to do, um, thank you and, uh, and know that, uh, that I appreciate what you do and, uh, and, and love you for doing it. And it's a difficult time. Just keep the faith. Look out for each other. And uh, keep doing what you've been sworn to
0: do. Amen. Amen. And thank you for being so passionate about this particular topic. Yeah, you, you've, uh, you've got up on your haunches on this one and, uh, and decided to, uh, to make a passion plea. I love to see it. Thank you. This is a good topic that you chose, and I've enjoyed chatting about it with you.
1: You are certainly welcome. I, I enjoyed the conversation, and I can't wait to hear what we're going to talk about right. next. <laughs> thank you for listening. Please stay tuned to graybeardchronicles.com for future podcast dates and subjects. Until then, enjoy the ride.